Hey, hey friends. friends, it's Davion, it's Bruce, and, and this, this is, is Oh, That's, That's My, My Gay, Gay Friend. Friend, episode number 83. Hey husband, how are you today? I am good husband, how are you? I am blessed and highly favored. Amen and amen. Welcome friends to another wonderful episode of Oh, That's My Gay Friend, brought to you by the 50 clips of Who the Fuck Did I Marry? On TikTok, because baby, we're going to get right into that shit. That shit was amazing, wasn't it? It was kind of epic. Yes. So, friends, you know what it is. We do it each and every week. We want you to go ahead and gather your cocktail. And while you gather your libation, we will tell you our selection for tonight. And also dive into our week and tell you how we have been doing. So, husband, what do you have in that pretty little glass of yours? Um, Something that you made that you <laughs> didn't tell me what it was when I asked you. So, yeah, so... Originally, this drink is called the Salty Dog, but I don't like that name. So, I'm going to call it Lemonade in Paris. Okay. I feel like it's fancy. It's basically just gin and grapefruit juice. Freshly squeezed grapefruit juice with a slice of lemon in it. Oh, so Okay. <laughs> it's a good it's been a good situation uh you know we had a friend who gave it who has who had given us some grapefruit so finally squeezed those and made the juice and then my newfound love of gin the new gin brand that i found um, so this is it no i made two different <laughs> and uh, bombay sapphire so i just i made the made the drink one day i was like Okay, with the grapefruit, it's just not bad. Normally, with grapefruit, just I have like vodka, which is called a greyhound, right? Mm -hmm. So, we're gonna try this new situation. So, let's go ahead and raise these glasses for a wonderful episode. Here we go. Clank, 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 clank. Ooh. <laughs> it's. That's something. It's a punch. That <laughs> is something. <laughs> I think I need, yeah, with the ice. That. Kind of have it. The grapefruit is very powerful. It's bitter. It's, it's very, like the yeah. gin, the Bombay Sapphire. Because, you know, Bombay Sapphire has its own kind of taste bitter too. taste. Yeah. With grapefruit. Uh, the, the, bitter on bitter. Bitter on bitter bitter. So, yes, about these, about this week. <laughs> So how has your week been going, husband? Uh, my week has been going. It is, <sighs> yeah, it's much better than last week. Been busy with work and uh, just anticipating my birthday weekend. Come on, birthday! Now, what birthday will this be for you? This will be a birthday that I'm one year older. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> this will be thirty-seven. I am officially in my late thirties. Come on now. Look at God. Won't he will? Will he won't? Yes. So that's exciting for your birthday weekend. I am thoroughly excited. I am just holding on one more day to go. Uh, one more full work day to go. Yep. And then I'm scot-free. What about you? So the week uh, was good. Just work. It rained here in LA. So that can kind of put a damper on you know your energy at least for myself i'm not a big rain person but we powered through we went up monday night it was raining to mm -hmm. 
your best friend Drew's birthday mm-hmm. at Yamashiro. Pisces, her birthday is the first day of Pisces season. Oh my gosh, I, I, I'm I'm too tired to even turn up for Pisces season, but it is officially <laughs> it is officially Pisces y'all season. season. Y'all time to shine, baby. Y'all time. No, you better turn the fuck up. It's your time to shine. Let's go. I want all the energy. Cause give all the energy to the people. Come on. Come back next week for that. But yes, it is officially Pisces season. So. But I think she's more Aquarius than Pisces, but you know, she's on the cusp. She is literally on the cusp. I don't know exactly what time she was born, but I know that Pisces uh, season officially starts. They say the 19th, but it officially starts uh, at night on the 19th. Mm. So depending on what time you were What's born. I mean, technically, she is a Pisces because her birthday was on right, the 19th. But if you know her the way we know her, especially I know her, she is much more an Aquarius. <laughs> so, shout out to so y'all. beautiful Aquarius, brain. But, yes, uh, birthday was at Yamashiro. I haven't been in Yami since my 24th birthday, so that's 18 years. So, that was a nice view. So, if you guys don't know, Yamashiro is a Japanese restaurant in Los Angeles in the hills of Hollywood. Hollywood yeah. Um, literally next door to the Magic Castle. So if you're familiar with that area, you know you have to jump that big ass fucking hill. And you have an overview of the entire LA landscape. It's a beautiful situation. Unfortunately, when it's raining, it's not so much fun. But it did stop and it cleared up. So it, we were able to see. It did stop. Sights. It cleared up and it was beautiful. It was my first time there. I've heard about it before, but I've never been. It was nice. It was you definitely go for the ambiance and the view. Yeah. The food is decent. The food is it's cute. Yeah. But yeah, you're you're paying LA prices. So you're going for the ambiance yeah. and the view. <laughs> <laughs> so but that was fun. And and then there's a lot of shenanigans going on in the world. So we're going to get right into these damn topics. Some of this stuff is going to be a little heavy first because we have to address a lot of things that's going on in the queer community. We are queer podcast, a black queer, queer, a black queer podcast. You did it. And so we need to address a lot of things that have been happening in this world. And just to reiterate to all of people who are listening to our voices who live in the United States of America, it's really important for you to vote. We don't tell you who to vote for. You know, um, we are a house of Democrats. So we're going to put that out there and just know that your rights as a woman, your rights as a queer person, your right as just an American is there's things that's on the line and it's really important for you to, to go out and exercise your right to actually vote because a lot of things are happening in this world especially to the youth and there's one sad story that we have to report on and it's really unfortunate because this young individual is no longer with us based off because they wanted to go use the restroom that wasn't assigned to them by birth. And they went with a friend who was identified as trans. And three young girls decided to have an altercation with this person. So we're talking about Next Benedict. So Next was a non-binary individual who was killed by their classmates. And it is happened in Oklahoma in high school. And... This story really hit home for me and it really pissed me off because I have a lot of nieces and nephews who are dealing with things and they have friends who are dealing with things and may not identify as what the world may say. And 
the fact that this individual had a fight in school, got beat up, got jumped, basically. And from the details of the story that someone banged their head against the floor and the school officials knew about the fight and no one informed the parents, nor did they call an ambulance or report to say this child may need medical attention, did fucking nothing, sent the child home and suspended the, this child to which the point the grandmother of next took them to the ER later on that night. And unfortunately, the next morning, they collapsed and they succumbed to their injuries and trauma. They're believing it was a head trauma. The autopsy will tell everything. I literally cried when I read this story and I heard about it because I'm like, that couldn't have been any person, any youth that I know in my life in USA that could have had an altercation. And every fucking school official who knew about this should be fucking fired. The three little girls need their asses to be held at court, held as a fucking adult for fucking murder. And it just made no sense to me. So I'm going to pass the baton to you because I'm getting angry and I don't want to be visceral on this podcast. But what did you think when you heard about the story? It was heartbreaking. I think that bullying in general, while it has gone on for ages, I think a precedence needs to be set to make it stop. Most importantly, I think not only do these young women need to be prosecuted, I think their parents need to be held accountable as well. I think as a person who, as a, a teenager that was victim to bullying, I get it, bullies typically are bullied at home, so they go to school and they bully, but that isn't okay and max unfortunately was not the first person to be killed from bullying and max will not be the last next uh and next will not be uh the last so i think that something needs to be done to show an example that this isn't okay i've seen so many school fights that were over the most mundane and stupid shit. But the fact that this was over them simply being who they are, it definitely something needs to, there needs to be ramifications that ripple throughout America, to be completely honest. But this is the same place where, unfortunately, you know, teenagers, high school is the place where teenagers die. In America and it's usually and it has been at a much larger scale and nothing has been done about that so I don't see anything being done about this especially considering how next identified um, but just to go back to what you said at the beginning of the story we just need to vote because and we need to vote for Biden <laughs> like, I'm tired of saying, like, there is no third option, regardless of how you feel. Democracy is at stake. P this, what we're talking about now is going to be happening every day. Yeah, I mean, this, this the state of Oklahoma and the school, I want to super, the state superintendent, Ryan Walters, passed an anti-LGBTQIA anti bill basically saying that 
you know, the students need to go to the designated genders that they were assigned at birth at the restroom to use. And just the fact that you have that much hatred in your heart for a fucking child and for someone not to report this incident to me, I just, that's just adds not to me. But to your point of the voting, it's really important. Like they're they're it's Biden the bus. Like that's just what it is. It, it, it. <laughs> it's Biden. It's Biden or the fucking go back to 2020, 2016 to two thousand to twenty twenty. Y'all but want it, that again? But we won't be going back to two thousand sixteen. We'll be going back to like nineteen forty five. Yeah. And for a lot of us, nineteen the nineteen forties wasn't popping. It wasn't great for a lot of people that looked like us, a lot of people that acted like us, and a lot of people that love like us. So, I just want to, our friends out there, regardless of your economic standing, regardless of how much tax credit you want back, it's easy to not think it's an issue when it's not affecting you directly, but it will find its, hatred will find its way to your doorstep. And if we allow him to be reelected, you're allowing hatred into your homes and that's where it will it will manifest somehow if you're a woman you will lose your rights if you're gay you will lose your rights if you are trans you may lose your life and even if you don't know any trans people you heteros out there that think this has nothing to do with you okay you may give birth to a trans person and then what like it will eventually catch up to you if now or in the foreseeable future you don't see it being your problem or you're on such a high horse and you say, I just, I'm voting third party because I just can't vote for a man that's so old. I can't vote for Biden. It will eventually end up at your doorstep. That's all I got to say about it. Yeah. And this, and, and God, for, God forbid that that even comes to fruition. The blood's on your hands. So um, just like the blood is on all these school officials who felt this young individual, regardless of how they identify, regardless of your own personal feelings about the LGBTQIA plus community, this was a child. This was someone's child. This is a minor. You're in a fucking school. You're a fucking school. And you cannot protect a minor. That, that makes no fucking sense to me. That could have been my nephew, my niece. That could have been any one of them. Like, I would fucking... I would fucking kill these fucking people. Like, and I say that with hatred in my heart towards them because it makes no goddamn sense that this fucking child is now fucking dead because of their fucking stupid actions that they couldn't take as a school official. They need to step the fuck down and be persecuted and prosecuted at every foreseeable charge that could happen to them. I'm sorry. I, it just, it just, it irritates the hell out of me that this child had to fucking die over some fucking nonsense. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I can't. This fucking world is so fucking crazy. This is so fucking crazy. It's so fucking hateful. And a, a person that was beautiful in this world that we lost, um, her beautiful spirit at the age of five was on the Oprah Winfrey show. And she um, was born with HIV. Um, by the age of, I think that she was born with by eight, with HIV. Yes. I think by the age of five she had full blown AIDS. But then you know due to medication and, and 
the treatment, she was able to still live a full life to the age of 39. We're talking about the HIV activist, beautiful spirit, Hydina Idea, Idea Broadbent. Unfortunately, passed away. Um, we lost that beautiful spirit from this earth. And I remember seeing her on the Oprah show. And just seeing how she just told her story. And this child had nothing to do with... She just... That just was her life. Whatever her parents had happened... Or... Happened to them. She was born into the world. She had no control over what her bloodline was. What her existence was. But she made it her life journey to be an advocate and to educate people about HIV and AIDS and to really break a stigma. I think she really showed people that it's, that you know, there are children who are suffering from this and they, it, and it's not to fault of their own. Yeah, it was a, it was no of their own, excuse me. It was a disease that could affect everyone. It yeah. wasn't a gay man's disease. It wasn't a sinner's disease it was something that could touch literally everyone and she uh, put a face to an epidemic that a lot of people again turned an eye a blind eye to if it didn't affect them they didn't care and it showed them that children could have this your children could have this so she definitely was a pioneer i remember the ep- I remember watching the episode and it affected me so much because it it was a peer. It was like like what? Like what? <laughs> like it, like we could have went to school. Like what is going on? Uh, and I remember just being so confused but being sad for her because it was a very sad episode and again it just being confused at that that age not knowing what it meant for me uh you know being a young person or being a child right and we don't know the circumstances of how she passed away and and, and again people out there who don't know or are about hiv and aids you don't die from age you die from complications which means that you may contract either cancer or something that your body can't fight off so we don't know if her cd4 level uh her, her t-cells were under 200 that technically means you have aids or or her cd4 level what that was we'd have no idea so she could have just passed away from um natural causes we just again we don't have no idea but because we do know she did have a diagnosis so that of course is being prevalent but again we don't know the the reasoning behind her passing, but again, we want to send love and light to her family and friends who loved her and supported her, and also to next Benedict's family who loved and support them. So, absolutely, she um, yeah. died at thirty nine, and doctors said that she wasn't going to live past the age of five. Yes. I remember that. Yeah. So God is real. God is God's, good. Yeah. And I mean, it, it, it's again with with the treatment that's out there nowadays. It's not a death sentence. You know, you can live a full fledged happy life out there and she is a a component of that she her smile showed you that and so it's a beautiful thing you know and again she she has a legacy that she's left here now and um i just you know it's it's a heaven gained angel absolutely two of them this you know this this and this 
two stories we reported on. So, absolutely. <sighs> so <Okay>. let's <laughs> make this transition to lighter, more completely irreverent uh, topic that took the nation, if not the world, uh, wide web by storm this past week, and it is. A anthology, uh, a story rivaling the chapters of Trapped in the Closet. It was a I'm waiting on the musical version, but it is Who the Fuck Did I Marry? A TikTok sensation. Recitessa, baby. If y'all know the name, I mean, you do. They do. Quite sure you've seen it on The Shade Room, Ballers Alert, your friends talked about it. I mean, she has over a million views on almost every video, she has about 50 different clips. But yes, who the fuck did that marry? She basically talks about a pathological liar who she met. And she she uh, chronologically tells the story. Now, she could have sent the email it, it, or did this in two episodes. You are making it seem much easier and lighter than it is. She chronicles the meeting, the courtship, the engagement, the marriage, and the divorce of... Um, this uh, of being with this man all in like 16 months because it was COVID when they, it was during that. COVID yeah. but it, it watching each clip felt like 16 months that went by by the time that we finished and quiet as kept I fell asleep because I had work the next morning and I refused to be at work tired because of Resitessa and her Shenanigans. Well, we sat here in our, our dining room and we literally watched four hours of the shit from so from episode one to about thirty five. Yeah, via YouTube, and then we had to finish the rest in the bedroom. And I fell asleep around forty three. Yeah, it was it was a lot. I, I finished I finished it that night. Uh, I think I fell asleep a little bit too, but you know, I, people. Dating, you get caught up sometimes. You can't get caught up in how someone presents or the things they tell you or the money that they may have. And I think she she fell victim to that. I think that she, okay, he's you know he's six four. I keep telling y'all motherfuckers, niggas over six four. They did the fucking devil. Y'all need to y'all need to listen. She knows. She saw he he said he played college ball. He had you know. This money and they met on was was it plenty of fish? Not plenty of fish. Some one of the dating athletes for the straight people, but you know the courtship and it was and it was COVID and so they they were going to quarantine together and she seemed as if she was a you know a, the head on straight type of girl just like the young lady in, in sloppy seconds the Tubi <laughs> movie the Tubi movie yeah but. And she kept talking and telling the stories and, and people are like, there was so many red flags, but of course, again, maybe she liked the color red, so maybe she wasn't seeing the shit, you know what I'm saying? But it, but also, what she mentioned was, once he officially moved in with her, he was covering all of the bills and the rent. She literally, her check went to her. Right. So, I mean, I would have been Stevie Wonder to them red flags, too. The only all up and through Atlanta with their rent is like twelve dollars. What? No shot. What I what fucked it up for him 
because I honestly believe they probably would still be living together and happily confused and evading red flags. He kept over promising and under delivering. And I don't mean over promising in the sense of, okay, we're about to go on a trip. Oh no, we can't. It was, let's look at houses, expensive houses. Right, especially for the market in Atlanta. Like $700,000 in LA, that's average. <laughs> like that's what the houses cost. In Atlanta, that's like, oh shit. But they know? were looking at like McMansions. They were looking at like five bed, five well, bedroom yeah, homes. Because that's in that price range. So, that's the price point. But, but all that aside, they didn't have to do all that. That's my point. Like, regardless about the house market in Atlanta, they could have stayed in their apartment that they were in or got a different apartment. She kept talking about the county she lived in and how she didn't like it. They could have just moved to another county. We know, we have family, we know people in Atlanta that have lovely neighborhoods. It's so many places you could have gone to in Atlanta without looking at a house that's almost a million dollars when you know you didn't have the funds for it. Well, that's the thing. I think because he's a narcissist and because he wants to, you know, he lied about pretty much every fucking thing. He's trying to, again, appear to be something. I mean, when you sign a, I would say a waiver, but he signed a uh, um, cash offer situation of $700,000 that you, you would, you know, have the funds for that. She's like, who would, who would do that and don't have the funds? The thing for me was like, when he didn't want to produce and show the actual funds, show proof of the funds. Yeah. And he's like, well, to the, to the sellers, take the offer. No one's going to take an offer without seeing fucking proof. They need to see that you have the money to purchase this fucking home, sir. But again, he's so dumb, and he has tried to pull this before with people. You know, people, someone can be very slick in the talk, and there's a lot of people who can manipulate people in that way. And I think that's just what he was doing. And she felt as if he got high off of or got off by seeing her be elated about these different things and her excitement and then you know she was let down because he he took her car shopping trying to look for um for beamers and looking for looking at oddies and my thing this is this is no shot it's like she seemed like her budget was like lunchable but you over here wanting bristol farms but the thing like, is it's not because she wanted it. It was because he was promising it. He came to her with the shit. I don't want you driving that car. He, she said he was the one that initiated all this. So, of course, she's not going to be like, no, all I deserve is this. She's going to be like, are you paying? Let's go to the dealership. So, all this stuff, these multiple situations he brought on himself. And I understand being a narcissist. I understand him getting a high. And I understand him wanting to be the reason for the season but it's like at what at some point do you realize reality will catch up with your ass like it, well, they don't think that that's the thing pathological lies they don't think they're trying to again it, it's the Bernie Murdoch they're trying to rob Peter to pay Paul they're they're going to continue with these elaborate details of a story didn't Anna Delvey teach to, us anything no because I, I can I can prove it I can prove it I can prove it I can In pay their mind, I can pay if you believe the lie, it's not a fucking lie. Like I have, you know, I have the money. Until you, until you prove to me that I, I don't have the money. I got the money. Okay, so how did it end? Because I again went to sleep at episode forty three because I just couldn't take anymore. The last thing I remember was 
He signed the divorce papers. He didn't pay attention to what he signed. And I remember like vaguely listening while I was going off into La La Land. Her just trying to appease him. And he told her, basically, I had to marry you because I knew you wouldn't want to be with me or stay with me or some shit like that. Some shit. So to to give a little backstory before you, you said that. So basically, she she comes to find that she has a new job she wants to apply for. He gives a social security number. It's like the wrong one that he gave for the marriage license. Oh, you're going way back. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I'm just bringing everybody to friends of who may who may not have watched the the this series on TikTok. So she ends up finding that um, social security number is, is it's fake, is, and so then she does some more research, finds out that he because there's public records he had a divorce, found out that he had a divorce actually filed in Georgia, not California. Went to the courthouse, got that information, saw his ex-wife, ex-wife number there, called her, had a conversation with her. Ex-wife basically says, don't believe shit this motherfucker says, gave her some information. And so that's when she did her more due diligence and searching and realized that he was a fucking liar and he was pathological liar. And, there, and she then filed for a divorce, kicked him out. Even that kick out story was like, just girl, you're doing way too much. Um, but yes, he she met up with him at the UPS store, had him sign the paper. Basically, with the divorce decree for the or the divorce paper, basically said whatever he left with was his, and whatever remained in her house belonged to her. And he still had like shoes and WWE belts and watches in her fucking house. So all that belonged to her. Now, because he didn't read the, the papers or what have you, and you know, she said he was basically you know living in his car and she said she felt so bad for him that you know she was like i'll give you five dollars for you know some chicken nuggets like you know because she felt bad that he had he looked like he had to be eating because he had the injury in his knee he's lost a significant amount of weight so it was a lot of stuff so if you guys want to get entertained and you have about five hours to you know not do shit look it up on on tiktok it's very interesting but again this could have been an easy three episode situation so I will <laughs> I will just Google the ending. <laughs> Thank you. Well that's what happened. I mean, so it was basically that nothing more. She then he tried to reach out to her. She then her friend told her, Listen, you need to send something, a text message so I have a timestamp. Basically saying if you reach out to me again, try to contact either my family or friends, because he was calling her job trying to get in contact with her because she had moved, changed her number. She basically said, if you continue to harass me, I'm going to file a restraining order on you. And so that's why she'll have proof of that. So she texted that to him. And she said from then on, he has not texted her. However, comma, he took to his own TikTok and said she's lying. Then he tried to produce some text messages that said something about she had HIV and and like she missing you. It's crazy the the mad shit that's now going on after this story. But Mama has a fifteen minutes of fame. I believe it's real. I believe some people were like, I think it's fake. But I was like, the way she was chronologically telling this story and the emotion, and she didn't miss a beat. And it wasn't like she was over talking or like she had the details. If she is lying, she needs the motherfucking Oscar because. She had me believe, and it, it, it sounded believable. It truly sounded believable. I mean, I don't know what what she would gain from devoting 
so much time. So many hours. So much time. Like mama was on the way to work. She was at work. She was at home. She was about to go to she was about to go to sleep. Like there was so much time devoted to this. I it, that it can it has to be real and true because like she said, she just wants to be a a testimony for women out there if they feel something is wrong ask questions do what she didn't do yeah and i think that is uh, the whole moral of this very long story but we were i think on like clip 30 i was like yeah this could have been a good 10 10 clips because the 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 synopsis that you just uh told us and the friends about that is about 10 clips <laughs> like 10 clips that you just did a synopsis yeah. a very clear synopsis in like five minutes and the only other part that i didn't do was the fact that she talked to his actually she finally talked to his family and his brother and he lied about having uh, additional siblings and he was actually trying to he was actually portraying he has an actual twin i don't know if it's identical fraternal but his twin was an executive and all these things so he was like living vicariously through his twin about the accolades that he had so oh see i fell asleep on that but he was actually faking phone conversations right like he was having he was on the phone she couldn't hear the person on the other end but he was having conversations with like nobody or some or someone but again with that again he believed like he had the imagination to come up and he and himself until you can prove that he's lying he's not lying and that's how narcissists pathological liars habitual li- that's how they operate so but you guys check it out on tiktok or go to our ig page and tell us what you think about the story if you feel like she should have saw the flags earlier put some red flags in the comments um let us know what you think about the situation so being that this is black history month and we have not addressed any black history we apologize about that but we're going to change that now. We're going to do a two-for-one combo. We're going to get some black queer history about some classic black gay films. So, husband, I want to... I'm going to name some films and let me know have you seen these 10 classic films. Okay, so let's start off with Noah's Ark. Second, we're going to start off with Moonlight. Third will be B-Boy Blues. That's a classic movie to watch. The fourth is Little Richard, I Am Everything. That was amazing. Documentary about him. Also, Pariah, this is a lesbian film. Paris is Burning, that's number six. Uh, Portraits of Jason, um, that's interesting. I've never seen that one before. Oh, just seven, okay. I thought that was ten. So, let me know, out of those seven films, classic uh, queer films, have you seen them and which ones have been effective or have shaped who you are as a black gay man? I have seen all of them except for two. I didn't see the Little Richard documentary. <clears throat> and I didn't see, uh, I think, the second to last one that you had mentioned. The one you Portraits said. Jason? Yeah, I don't know. I, don't, yeah. I ain't seen Jason Portraits yet. <laughs> but all the other ones I've seen. Um, and I loved them. I think that if you haven't seen any of those, definitely should. Moonlight, I think, is... The perfect film yeah like full stop period i think if you're black if you're gay if you're black and gay you need to watch it it's just a perfect film like i still remember 
how I felt when we were in the movie theater and when it went it was art like it there's no other way to put it like it won best picture at the Oscars for a fucking reason and yeah that's that on that what about you so like you have seen all of them except for Portraits of Jason which I am going to watch by the end of this month because I'm, I'm curious to know apparently he was either I don't want to get this wrong I want to say either in fashion or let's see poor, um, he was either in fashion or something that was critical to the black gay movement but I believe that so he was actually who was he says it here hold on friends we're gonna figure this we're gonna figure this out but it came out in 1967 that's interesting but he was a houseboy and a cowboy performer and the self-proclaimed hustler so that's fun it's on amazon.com so i'll check it out this weekend but there you go what shaped me oh i saw myself it's twofold I remember being 18, meeting some guys, and Black Gay Beach Party with a friend, Ronnie, at that time. Best friend at that time. And we met these guys. They took us home, whatever, and they put on Paris is Burning. And I never, that was the first time I actually saw, um, I'll say house, but the balls, bottom scene. Yes. I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, blew my, blew my mind. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be part. It was just, it was interesting to see and know anything about that. And then years later, I found out what the ballroom scene was and all, and all that. So that's always, that's always a staple in my mind. But Noah's Ark was the first time I saw, and I wanted friendship like that. I wanted to be identified, not with Noah, because Noah was just, but I just, I saw myself in each of, of some of the characters. Yeah. And also more so wait, because it was like you saw a masculine gay guy that just wasn't stereotypical gay, queer, feminine, nothing like that. So I remember the show being really poignant and, and knowing some of these actors and seeing them in L.A. and seeing them out in the club and the gay bars. And they were like, they were our gay celebrities. Like we really was riding for them. And even when the movie, first movie came out, when Jump in the Room came out. Um, going to see it in, mm-hmm. in the theater on Sunset, and um, just the the in that time frame, and it wasn't gay marriage was nowhere around or, or legal, but just seeing that, seeing representation of yourself, being proud of that, you know, yeah. that was early 2000, 2000 or mid two thousand six nine, yeah. that time frame. So. But the um, the biggest takeaway for me was the friendship, the gay male friendship, like that. And at that time, I had them, or in, in a way. Um, so, and I wanted that, and so that was really um, important to me. So that was saying Noah's Ark, Jumping the Beer will always have a special place in my heart. Mm-hmm. That film. Mm-hmm. So, but friends, let us know um, our queer friends out there. What film you think is a queer classic? Out of the seven that we talked about. The black queer classic. The black queer classic movies. So, um, we're going to move on to our favorite segment. And this is Have You Ever Wondered Why? And this is going to be... I'm not going to say controversial, but I have a strong opinion about it. Because I'm trying to figure out what would make one person do this. So, have you ever wondered why people 
want to decorate their body with either tribal tattoos and they have no association with or just something that's so odd that's like you're going to start a conversation with people and people are going to question your intent behind what you see as art. Case in point being Machine Gun Kelly and he has posted um, the chairman posted pictures of him and his new blacked out tattoos on his body which basically what's the movie Venom is that the Venom? Is that the film? Yeah. Where, or the yeah. like uh, yeah. Spider Man? Is it Spider Man or someone becomes? Spider- uh, yeah. The black like he comes with, has a black suit like he now has black skin basically, and so my question is this appropriation? Is this art? Like people in the comments were like, so he wants to be black now. Like what is the intent behind having the black out tattoos on your alabaster skin, sir? So what say you? Nothing. I mean, I don't. I saw the pictures and I thought it was weird, but it's not my body, so it's not my concern. I don't find it offensive. It. I mean, honestly, I think the craze of the '90s, where people got uh, Chinese tattoos, was more offensive than this, because. I mean, you know, you had white people walk around with words they had no idea what it meant tattooed on them just because it looked cool. Right. He has an entire, his entire upper chest is blacked out with black uh, ink. That is not tribal, nor is that cultural. It's just something that he thought to do. I don't find it offensive as a black man because there is no person in the world that color <laughs> like there's no jet black person walking around and that's jet black i can understand if he tattooed like a wesley snipes coco cup that would be completely different but there is no like you said there's no venom there's no person walking around looking like venom in the world yeah. so to say it is appropriation of any kind i think is reaching so it the only thing it incited in me when i saw it was ouch <laughs> like that was the only thing like that i i'd be afraid of like infections or just it is just ouch well he clearly had to use a numbing tattoo um gel uh, yeah he, he in a lot of prayer but again it wasn't anything that stuck out to me other than okay well some people in the comments again you, you know the comments is where you get all the tea and they were like did you have to showcase this during Black History Month? Like, what are we doing? You know, so I just, I think it it, it sparked conversation with people. You know, he has antics for a lot of different things. Um, and his, is he still with? I don't know. I don't, her? I don't know. Well, we'll talk about her, um, her, her alleged lookalike. And we're talking about Megan Fox um, during um, the reality roundup of Love is Blind. But, you know, for me, I'm not bothered by it. Like, I don't give a shit what the fuck you do. I don't listen to his music, so I, I don't care. But it's, I have an opinion about it. Just like, wasn't necessary. But, you know, again, I'm just like, just don't, don't come with a black scent. <laughs> you got black skin now, or even if it's colored with ink, and you know, you just don't come with a black scent. And that's all. But he, and he had a black scent before, didn't he? 
Or you're asking the I do not know this job. <laughs> I, do, I don't know I her. Thought, I, I don't know her. I'm, I'm you wanted to talk right about this. I have no idea. I do not know him. I just I the comments just has sparked a lot of interest for me. And I was just like, I just want to talk about this topic because I am just so curious to know someone. And there's people who, who someone who would do something to this extent. And I know there's people who have tattoos all over the face and body, but the blackout ink on the body is just like, hmm. I'm interested about that. So, would you have preferred he got the color white? Well, he's white, so I mean. But I mean, again, the color white and a Caucasian are two different colors. The color black and an African American or African person are two different shades. It's just, it's, it's just, it's just weird to me. That's okay. all. It's just weird to me. Just like, huh? All right, sir. I mean, again, do you? It's your body. Do whatever the fuck you want to do. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm with some of the comments. Did you have to do it during Black History Month? But you know, such is life. But friends, tell us what you think about that. Go to our IG page at Oh That's My Gay Friend and leave some comments in the section for this episode. Or if you have any questions or you want to privately tell your thoughts about it, email us at Oh That's My Gay Friend at gmail.com and we will return with the reality roundup. All right, we're back with the reality roundup, and we are starting with the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills season finale. They have done a fantastic job on Beverly Hills this season, but you know what? The white party always kicks it off. And I want to say for the past, has it been the past 10 years? Because it's what the Kyle and the Marisha have been throwing the white party since for the past 10 years. And so. Of course, they're going to have it again, but I think this one is the final one because they have it at SoFi Stadium in Eaglewood. So if you guys are familiar, that's the new stadium that was built, and it's amazing. And they are having a shindy there because it's she, 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 Beverly Hills, and Erica Jane is going to perform. Kyle asked Erica to perform, and it was a great situation. What did you think about the final season, season finale episode? I thought that it was a fitting finale for the type of season that it was. It wasn't a crazy pop-off season. I think it was really a season of storytelling and a lot of things had to simmer and it took some time. It was some redemption arcs. So I enjoyed it. A lot of this season is getting a lot of mixed reviews. A lot of people are saying, you know, it was boring or it was the snooze fest. For me personally, I don't need to see screaming in every episode right for it to be good or you know there doesn't have to be like a scandal in the real world for it to be good i just genuinely i just genuinely love this group of ladies minus amory and i think that it was just a a fitting finale like you said it low-key made me a little sad because I do feel like this is an end of an era. Uh, there is talks that Kyle may not be coming back. Like, she may willingly be stepping uh, out of the limelight. And I really didn't believe it until I saw this episode. And I was like, damn, this seems like, you know, like you want to go out. If, you, if she were to not come back, then she definitely went out with a bang. And seeing this happen at the SoFi, which one, no other franchise ever could come remotely close to this. 
This is definitely they not. Could never. This is not pickleball at a fucking <laughs> rec room. Right. This is you know renting out an entire stadium. I mean, four hundred thousand dollars. I mean, for the budget, but I think it was a good buy for her and Mauricio for oh, the, well, for them for them having their annual situation. I don't say I do not see Kyle leaving Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I just don't. She needs this for her sanctity of her of her own self and also her identity she's she's now tied to this like there's no other identity she had but prior to this she had what she was the little girl in a uh, little house of prairie and then she's kathy hilton's sister and she's mauricio's wife you don't have mauricio no more so who are you now you're kyle Richards from the real house of beverly hills that but, is your title that's that is your now legacy for yourself and, but the thing is i think with kyle her whole issue this season was titles like her struggling with finding herself outside of the titles that she's been beholden to her entire life and this season more so than any other i got a real appreciation for her because lot you know the past few seasons not for nothing kyle has gotten on my nerves because she stirred the pot you know she's never been touched like i've been waiting for a, t- a kyle takedown season to be completely honest you really have to be completely honest because she's been getting away with murder literally and been sitting in the first chair for 16 seasons smiling but this season she kind of took herself down which i wasn't expecting and she showed a side to herself that I absolutely appreciated and found it and found refreshing because she was like, hey, I'm struggling with shit. <laughs> like, and this is what I'm struggling with. They never, you know, she never divulged and threw her husband under the bus, which I can respect because, again, she has they have children. They have children. And as you could see in this episode, they're still very, even though they're all grown except for Portia. They're still all very closely intertwined. But more importantly, they have a business. And he has an international business. So she would never yes. divulge and put her family in a bad light. I mean, they had also another a spinoff on Netflix with him and the daughters for the agency. I mean, so it's so she's looking long game. She's looking at legacy and, and money. Absolutely. She's looking at that. So she's not going to slander, the, slander his name or tell all the ladies their fucking business. Which the ladies get upset with because once we find that Erica does her performance at the white party and everything is great and Lisa uh, what's that? Lisa Renner. Shout out. Denise Richards shows up. Camille. Everybody's there. They have a good time. And then all of a sudden everyone's phone rings at the same time with the same notification and they see the People magazine, People People's magazine article that Cal and Riso are now separating. Yes, they. Andy said, "Get the fucking cameraman back out to Encino right. and film Dorit." Like literally, filming had completed; it had ended, yes. and they revved that shit right back up. They told the women, "Hey, get your makeup and your hair, because yes. the uh, camera people are and your producers are coming over." We have things to talk about. We have things to talk about. So pickup shoots were done with all of the ladies pretending that they were shocked and reading the article at the exact same time, <laughs> which is always funny to me because I'm like, I don't have notifications from TMZ and all these other outlets on my phone. So who? Who does that? Yeah, I'd rather I'd rather they not do the react like reenactment like it's rescue nine one one. 
from back in the day. Right. I'd rather they just show their confessionals and be like, child, you know, just get to their opinions. Yeah, tell the story like, okay, this is breaking news. This happened. Yes. They have now, there's a, a joint statement that's out. And so they're now talking about this separation. And Mauricio made a point about it, like, who put this information out? Because, you know, Cal summons all her daughters to the house and they come over and they sit down and have a talk about what's kind of going on. And really, Mauricio, he wasn't phased by it. Like, he was like, he pretty much kind of, Kyle took the lead and she talked about everything. Like, you know, we're still a family unit. You know, Danny and I have been having some challenges, but, you know, that doesn't change our love for you guys or our love for us. And we're just figuring out how this will look for us moving forward. But there was a joint statement that Kyle and Mauricio have put out. And so I want to read that to you guys. It says, in regards to the news that came out about us today, any claims regarding us divorcing are untrue. However, yes. We have had a rough year, the most challenging one of our marriage, but we both love and respect each other tremendously. There has been no wrongdoing on anyone's part. Although we are in the public eye, we ask to be able to work through our issues privately. While it may be entertaining to speculate, please do not create false stories to fit a future salacious narrative. Thank you for the love and support, Kyle and Mauricio. So... I mean, that's from their publicist's joint statement. Yeah, I mean, look, like you said, Mauricio wasn't phased at all during this family sit-down. And I think because Mauricio was perfectly fine with continuing with the way things were. Why? Because he was the only one really benefiting from this arrangement that they had going on. He was able to do his thing, go into different countries to open up new fucking realty shops and new places, fucking whoever was fucking the locals, while Kyle, you know, had her hands tied. But no, 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 no. Before, like Morgan just, Morgan Morgan just popped into the picture. Let's be honest. I'm talking about years. Okay. They've had this. I have a feeling that allegedly we don't know to be true, but allegedly, and we don't know Morgan to be true. So allegedly for that as well. But I have a feeling they have allegedly had an arrangement that has worked more so for Mauricio the past years, especially when his you know real t shit started popping. He was able to drop them draws wherever he wanted. And Kyle was busy with Real Housewives. Like, this was her kind of like Kelsey's no, meal. I was just about to say, not like Kelsey's meal. He was like, you know, but not as nefarious as that. I'm pretty sure there was still love there. And there yeah. was still, under, there was probably an understanding. Like, don't bring that shit to my front door. Right. Like that. As many situations are. So, what I feel, because I honestly feel that Kyle leaked the art leaked the information to the article because kyle was like okay especially after her friend passed and mauricio wasn't there for her she was like as much as i fucking been turning a blind eye for you you've been getting your life and now they actually need my husband to show up you're nowhere to be found enter morgan and I think Kyle just really was ready to be in her selfish bag because, again, she's always sister, wife, mother, and now she's ready to just be Kyle and to get affection that she hasn't been getting from her husband from someone else. And I don't think Kyle's the type of person that she doesn't want to be selfish and tell her kids, hey, 
I'm splitting up this, you know, multi-decade marriage to go be with this person I actually really like and who really likes me. So Kyle is inadvertently <laughs> getting what she wants without having to have her hands be without having to, the, without having the fear of her kids hating her. Like you ruined our lives. You uprooted our lives as we know it because you want to scissor with some bitch. Not knowing <laughs> that Mauricio all this time has been doing his thing on the side. Well, so he I is think probably aware about I that. think well I mean yeah. Not the way that they were reacting. Like Portia was devastated, understandably well, yeah, I mean, so. Yeah, their life. I mean, again, as their unit, as their parents, regardless of what dad could be doing on on extracurricular activities, again, your unit as a family, which you know, is shocked. And I think the girls also mentioned because, again, like you said, most of them are over the age of twelve. They're all over the age twenty one, besides Portia. We're saying, you know, we have family, we have friends reaching, reaching out to us. Like we were all together when this story leaked and like that's the most evasive thing like the fact that we have people asking how we're doing we're like we don't know what the fuck to say because we don't know what y'all where you guys are at you know so they're just concerned for for them so i think it's unfortunate all the way around but i think that live your truth live your best life um and sometimes separation maybe it may be good for them to get away get it out and then come back together if the love is truly there uh, we don't know if they've filed for divorce as of yet. No, they have not filed as of yet. They are just separated. separated. But even though you are not divorced and you are separated, that kind of gives you the free reins to live your life. And I think that's what Kyle needed and wanted yeah. in order for her to live her life because she, Mama, is doing it. She was, I think, recently on Watch What Happens, uh, probably the night of the finale. Did we watch it? We didn't watch it. We didn't watch Watch What Happens, but there's a clip on X of Morgan Way being there with Kyle. Okay. At Watch What Happens on the step and repeat, hugged up. Morgan Wade is rubbing Kyle's ass. Let me see this photo. There's not a photo, but what it is is a video. The video. Yes. And I'm pulling it up for you but right now. You know what they're going to say in Spain? Just like Teddy, uh, I'm going to say Teddy Pendergrass, but Teddy Mellencamp, she'll be like, oh, they're just friends. You know, that's because Teddy and Kyle sleep in the same bed together. No, so. no. And friends, I posted this on our uh, Instagram. So you guys can check it out, too. So you guys but can check it out, too. When she mentioned about, about the separation and. And something that, and especially in the black culture, maybe other cultures have it too, but I mean, listen, I have aunties and uncles who are, who've been separated since Jesus walked the earth. I'm friends, I'm showing oh. him the clip of Kyle getting her ass rubbed. That oh. ain't no bestie That's situation. Okay. That ain't no bestie situation. They actually look good together, okay? Yes, yeah, that's a couple. <laughs> that's a couple. Ah, yes, yeah, that's, that's that lower hip side. Oh, thing. yeah. No, that's that upper is, That's upper ass. That, yeah. That's that upper is, right cheek. And Yeah, I can't even. No, can't yeah. Even no, you can't clean that, that up. That, and Morgan no. is looking straight ahead. It's Kyle like has her face shit. leaned into Morgan. Yeah, the body, the body, she... Kyle is turned inward towards Morgan. That's body language, baby. Yeah, and Morgan is, is a stem, and she's pretty stem. Um, if you guys don't know what a stem is, it's a stud and film. So it's she's she's not a stud completely, but she's not also film. She's a stem. So that's there you go for your queer lingo <laughs> for our lesbian audience out there. Um, but like I was saying, they I have many, not many, but 
aunties and uncles who have been divorced or separated, but never divorced, and legally still married to this day and live their own separate lives. So it, it happens. I'm quite sure you have maybe have seen that or, or friends out there, you may have known people in your families who never divorced but are separated and, and doing what they do. Absolutely. So. My grandparents died, married. I don't remember my entire life of them actually being together and they were only in the same room I think like three times and funny enough my grandma was a lesbian oh my gosh my grandma was Kyle Richards she became a late in life lesbian no truly um, true tea so yeah oh my gosh I was Portia <laughs> I don't know that we're gonna move on. Oh wait, wait! I do have a, one last. Stuff. Okay. We stopped this segment, but because it is the season finale, I wanted to bring it back. Who was your bestie of the season? Of uh, for these girls? Yes, the topic we're talking about. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think for something like who for these? You know what? It's Erica. And the reason I, the reason why I love an underdog coming back and fighting and clawing and getting back on motherfucking top. And Erica motherfucking Jane Girardi has done that. She's cleared her name. There may be some things still kind of going on. But Mama better herself. She had a Vegas residency that was fucking excellent. That's going to come back. She was the poster child for Olympic. She looks amazing. I, I'm trying to get my orders Ozempic in by next week. Um, but Erica is my bestie because she also was there for Cal in this episode at the end. And she came and just spoke real life to her and was like, kill the noise. Like, you can't worry about what people are saying on X or outside people or their thoughts. She's like, they don't know. You and Mauricio was, were in that marriage. She was like, so... I understand what you're going through, what you're going to go through, because I went through that. And she was a real ass bitch. And Erica, yeah, it, love, her, love her or hate her, even fucking Portugal, Spain. The fact she talked to the risky crap, like she is, she's a show girl and she has so many sides to her and people underestimate her. And I love that about her because she you never know which way she's going to come. And when she comes, she always comes correct. So Erica Girardi, a.k.a. Erica Jane, you are my bestie for the season. What say you, husband? I absolutely agree. I don't think that there's anyone that came out of this season shining as brightly as she did. She literally, she's been on the show for, what, eight seasons, nine seasons? Yeah. And every kind of thing that she has been called or you know pigeon held to be i feel like she successfully refuted that this season she came off warm compassionate vulnerable caring successful and was beautiful on top of it she's literally has not looked better and you know, considering that she's been called an ice queen, she's been called in- insensitive, a monster, like complicit, like everything that she's been called, I feel like she bucked against that beautifully this season and not, con- it wasn't contrived. It wasn't purposeful. It wasn't like a PR, okay, tell me what are my talking points? What am I doing? It came off genuine, yep. is what I'm saying. 
and she was funny as fuck. Like, literally, she was the comedic relief of the season. If you really think about it, like, her OTFs, while everybody else was plucked or seeming pressed and obsessed with other cast members, Erica was the only one in her own lane. Like, I'm just trying to do me, baby. Well, that's what happens when you and there was something we were watching and then talked about. You now face your biggest fear. Her biggest fear is, is has happened. Yeah. She's lost everything. So your biggest fear happened. So what is there to do? So I have nothing else. So I'm just going to be me. I'm going to rebuild and I'm going to just, I, my biggest fear is, has happened. There's It's gone. So now I have me and I can be free. And I think that's the freedom that we're seeing. She's soaring like a fucking eagle. And it's amazing. And I just fucking love the bitch. I don't fucking know her. But I, if Erica, Jane, if this hears your fucking ears, girl, we love you here at the pop. Please come <laughs> talk to us. Send the pin in the DMs or whatever. Or, you know, we have our special event coming up very soon. You want to be, listen, have your people reach out to our people. So. That was Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. We are going to move on to the Real Housewives of Potomac. You don't want peace. I don't want to talk about this show. <laughs> you don't, because you don't want peace. So, Wendy and NECA finally sits down to, in an attempt to hash it out. NECA initiated this sit down, so I am grateful for her for that. Um... And it, that's it. <laughs> it goes left really fast because NECA is still whole, staying firm on the fact that Wendy's mother said the things that she is uh, saying she said, allegedly. Right. While Wendy's like, okay, so what did I do to you? Because much to Wendy's point, Wendy's like, this is my mom. Mm -hmm. I'm, like, I'm going to believe my mom, full stop. To which Wendy's mom is saying that conversation never happened. So Wendy, in that moment, I feel try is trying to give her an olive branch. I mean, like how you feel is how you feel, but this is my mom, and I believe my mom. So what did I do to, do you? to you? To which Neca's first words were, "But your family." No, no, no. What did I do to you? Yes, and that's when NECA really started falling apart at the seams. But I will give her this. She did apologize for calling Wendy a bitch. She did. But she was unable to say specifically what Wendy did to her, and that's because Wendy did never nothing. did anything did to her. Wendy did nothing to you. you. You use Wendy's name to get on the show. Let's just call it what it is. Let's, let's put on our... Um, Carmen San Diego hats, people. Okay, let's find the clues. Your Ebo girl. You saw another Ebo girl. You saw her at a concert. Producers may have reached out. They're looking for another person to come onto the cast. You saw I know Wendy. I hire you know Wendy because because Nebe and Nebe was at the at the Bulalata and all this type of shit, whatever. So that's how you have in the producer. Oh my god. So you're another Ebo girl who knows Wendy. Great. We want to use you. We want to see you. You you guys. Same tribe, you're gonna have an interest, you have the same people, same community, and of course, that's going to look like a very promising storyline. Then comes the drama. Then, when it's in it, the course, 
you can tell in their community they fucking talk. So, mm-hmm. of course, it was probably, oh, now he's going to be on the show Wendy. Who? How did she know Wendy? Oh, now they said blah, blah, blah. And that's how this shit kind of probably started, right? But Wendy had nothing to do with that. Yeah. Wendy's just like, that was a conversation you had with other people. I I did nothing to you. When you came to this group, I said, I, I saw you before. But it's just too much drama. And neck and don't want peace. It is unfortunate but it just further proves the point that this show needs to be completely retooled because the ladies all gear up for a trip to the Dominican Republic which I feel is the location of the week is hosting yeah it is a lot of DR was was popping DR was popping this past week in uh, the world puta cana baby puta cana but you know what? Um, I feel with this trip, Robin did some Sade shit. And listen, we are all fucking grown, okay? If we're having a trip, you having the tri- you have identified seven people to go with you. Why are we having double beds? Unless I have my child with me or my spouse, why don't I have my own fucking room? That's I'm a, not sleeping with another motherfucker. I'm sorry. That's a really good question. I made too much money. <laughs> I've, I've lived too much life. I'm not sharing a room unless I want to with my best friend. I'm not going to do that. So, if you're hosting a trip, make sure I have my combination. If not, I'll pull a Karen and get another fucking room. It's What's called, the problem? It's called Benjamin's. We're good over here. <laughs> We're good over here. Like, no, I'm sorry. Like, I'm not. And I feel if you want to do that, then the newbies, that should be their inauguration. That should be their, um, what's, the, what's the word I'm looking for? Hazing moment. Have the newbies share some double shit. But I'm not sharing a room just because they put you and Giselle in some shit. Again, if my bestie is there, then we'll talk. But if not, I need my own room, please. Thank you. I'm just so over this trope in reality TV in general like it is 2024 these shows are successful as fuck these shows have really good ratings some even have great ratings there is no reason why we are still trying to manufacture drama by putting them in rooms that are either too small that are either have bunk mates like you know that's going to be room for contention, but it's not even entertaining anymore. After literally the 50th, you know, uh, show that yeah. is doing this. And, and with Potomac, it's for some reason, it's every single season. They're, they're like harping on rooms and yeah. I don't want, there's only one bathroom and I got to share it with men. Like, it's old. It's tired. It it's played. But again, if you're looking again, we already know that you talk to the production and you, you talk about a destination because they want you to host it or what have you and they the PAs are looking for these houses make sure everyone has everyone because if not I'm going to just go off listen my contract I'm putting my contract that I must have accommodations equivalent to what I would do on my vacation if I don't have that I'm going to the next resort next door I'll holler at, I'll see our breakfast call me at breakfast and I'll be over but I'm sleeping over here yeah it's the tired end. and old another thing that's tired and old is the stunt that Giselle pulled 
towards oh, the new, new granddom. The end of the episode, which was crowning NECA the new granddom of Potomac because NECA lives in Potomac proper. She owns a home in Potomac proper. And as you guys know, with this reality show, specifically Real Housewives, a lot of the ladies don't live in the zip code that the show is based in. The same for Atlanta, the same for Beverly Hills. Uh, spoiler alert, Dorit lives in Encino. <laughs> so that's how it is everywhere um, in all franchises. And I'm just so... I'm just so tired of these ladies. I make Potomac great again. Like that, the fuck America, because America was never great. But Potomac at one point was great. And we need it to make was. it great again. And I, the way we could do that, fire everybody except, you know, I'm not even talking, I'm not even going to say because we've talked about this at nauseum, uh, recasting. Well, yeah, but see, okay, so when you put Potomac zip codes, you have multiple. So it could be 20817. 20827, 20854, or 20859. So we're not really sure which Potomac is proper, but apparently Neca lives in one of those and Karen doesn't live in one of them. So, but it was a cute little gag, but of course, Candace walks the fuck out because she's like, I'm not here for the shit. Yeah, she's like, like this is stupid. This is like, like everyone else that's viewing it, she's like, okay, we're this, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Like Candace even know like shit, this season this season will be shit. <laughs> but Candace is busy with her filming of other shows and also her music tour. So she has other shit going on. So we don't have shit going on besides your children leaving and graduating, which is amazingly great. That's wonderful. Um, you do stupid shit, but Besides Ashley having great hair, and I think she needs to wear her natural hair more often, that's all I cared about for this episode for Potomac. Moving on to Married to Medicine. Even more disappointing news. Now, we are still in <laughs> Hilton Head. We're at Hilton Head, and... The couples branch off. Men go for a cooking competition, and the women go golfing. They wanted to switch things up this year. Yes. And so the man basically split the two teams who can cook, which is we know Eugene is the cook and Cecil tried to have his team and they did some horrible shit. But, you know, it it was something to film. <laughs> That's what it was. It was really it wasn't that great of an episode. The ladies playing golf, that was cute. But the most important takeaway from this is um, Cecil and Simone. Every time they have rented um, a, I want to say, they try to win yachts, but they've rented other equivalents to ships, and they haven't been as, they, they weren't a yacht. They they've were been boats. Boats. <laughs> boats and holes and shit. But they finally got a yacht this season, and the ladies had some act right, because normally when they're on a the boat, they tend to yell and fight. That didn't happen this season. But there was a conversation of serving, and... Doctor is it Doctor Ashley is her name, but the dentist she's uh, Heavenly's protege. Her husband, who was a uh, I think a physician as well, yeah, he talks about his wife is trained, and so Doctor Jackie goes to the point like you train doll, you don't train women, and so there was a competition with the ladies where you know who can best serve their man their plate for dinner, you know, and who had the best plate or. And who gave it right if they gave him a lap dance or a kiss on the cheek or what have you. So, it was a lighthearted episode. 
um, with some commentary about relationships, but it was nothing that was really in-depth. I feel like you said it maybe two episodes ago on our podcast that Andy, he blew his blew his wide early with Phaedra. Phaedra's a flop. She's not doing nothing. She's not bringing any additional uniqueness to this franchise, to this show. And honestly, without Quad being there, it's just fucking boring. And honestly, to be a hot take, I miss Dr. Contessa. I miss Contessa and her husband. At least they had... I know their marriage was under a microscope and there were there were situations, but at least it was real shit. Like it was real yeah. life shit that they were dealing with. And I wish they were, I wish they never left because they were entertaining. At least they brought something to this show that unified the ladies together. I agree. Um, I don't think that's a hot take. I think it's a very uh, reasonable if you if you've watched the show in the last like five years or five seasons you can understand yeah because we've seen we've been friend fans of the show i've been a fan since day one you came on board maybe season two but it's changed over the years and the fact now that toya wants to be I, I just fucking can't anything with the word toya in it with this broad i just can't do so that's married to minutes, unless you have more to talk about. I don't think we had much nope. about them. It was just literally the golf and the cooking segment and the yacht. That was it. But I think, no, it's not the season finale next week. It is. It is. It's Quad is back. I do know that. It so is. The, it, yes, the season finale of Marriage to Minutes. Because you have the looks for the ladies for the reunion. Yes, we can talk about that next week. Um, What's. Okay. We can talk about that next week because next week is we haven't we haven't talked about we didn't get a chance to talk about Beverly Hills reunion look so and their reunion is coming before uh, Married to Medicine okay so we'll so we can yeah tackle that that time all right exactly listen this is a live podcast you guys we we change things up you know what I'm saying and you guys wouldn't you guys wouldn't know that unless we say it so <laughs> moving on Seriously. to uh, Married at First Sight. The fact that we both side means that this season needs to end quickly. I believe they have about nine, eight more days left before decision day, which is like five more episodes possibly. Please, that's gonna be thirteen. Because Lifetime love to stretch some shit out with this with this show. But this week we found that the only couple that we probably were hedging our bets on is going to end up like everyone else <laughs> in the dumpster yeah so let's start with austin and rebecca the couple that everyone had their hopes in so much so much so that the first sight of them not making it dr pepper and pastor kyle came out in person yes they said no fuck the zoom video. where's my car <laughs> <laughs> I, I i'm on my way yes they both went there in person and said what's going on because production have to know like listen we have no one saying like no one is working this out we need y'all to save at least this couple Yes, but it's not going to be it's not going to be salvageable because he does not want her. He doesn't want her at all, and it really made sense when they sat down and had the conversation about what happened when they were on the couple's weekend, and you know the experts about about Austin 
getting up and going into the football player's room. Yes. And once they divulge that to the experts, they both burst into laughter, made faces, and you can tell they even held back their opinion. real opinion. Yes. Because Dr. Pepper was like, what the fuck? And Pastor Kyle was like, are you fucking serious? Like, that's how they looked. But yes. they just laughed it off uh, uh, nervously. But Dr. Pastor Kyle asked the question. He's like, was there drinking involved? Yes. And he's like, yes. So even with that, again, show some of your true colors about situations. And he was completely excited about sleeping in this NFL player's bed. I think he probably jacked off in the bed. I'm just saying. You, I remember you saying that, but I feel he that rolling around. I feel the reason why he had to drink so much, and this is something that they they brought up, was uh, or Rebecca brought up at least. She was like, "Are you trying to sabotage the weekend?" Because he was the one that was saying how this weekend's going to be hot and sexy, fun, right. and then when push came to shove. He got so drunk where he stormed out of the room in a tizzy. And she's like, okay, well, why would you allow yourself to even get to that place when you had expectations? And now I had expectations because of you of what we were going to do this weekend. So it almost seemed like self-sabotage when in reality, I think he was just trying to drink up the courage to be that close to a vagina and it backfired and he got drunk and he got angry and he wanted to go to another man's bed a little he needed a little liquid courage yes i do believe that's true i just don't think he let's let's say for argument's sake he likes vagina he may there's some dudes that you know they're gay and like vagina he could be pansexual we don't know i don't think he likes her i don't think he likes her body type and not, not body shaming, nothing like that. She's a gorgeous, but she has a really, girl. she has a cute body. She has huge boobs. Yeah, like she, she has no ass. She has, yes, yeah, she has big breasts. She has, she has a flat uh, derriere. But I just don't think he is attracted to her. Just period. I, I don't know what, and I would love to see his past, his past girlfriends. But I just think there's something with her he just doesn't find attractive. Just based off how. What she said and how she she tries to flirt with him and he doesn't receive that. He doesn't open up. He doesn't respond to when she is initiating certain things and flirting. And even if I'm pissed off or mad, if you like grab my hand, I want you to grab my hand. If I want to be touched, you know what I'm saying? If I don't want to be touched, but I still let you grab my hand. I still hold or vice versa. If, I, if you don't want to be bothered, you'll still entertain my shenanigans. But then, you know. You can tell someone doesn't want to be touched by or want to be bothered by you or don't you get the feeling that they just don't like you. But see, the thing is, I think he likes her. I don't think he's just... He likes her as a person. He doesn't like her sexually. Okay, yes. You, that, you yes. get the energy of someone. If someone likes you, like if you... If if you doing certain things to people in there or whatever and you... It's just a feeling. You're like, okay, like you're not into this. Like, what are we doing? And, and I, think, I feel like that's just what he doesn't like her in that way i like you you're a nice woman but i don't like you in that physical sense of attractiveness 
which I don't understand why he can't just be honest, especially considering the the lay of the land, how everyone else is literally in that same boat this season. I figured that would give him, okay, I won't be the odd man out. Like, literally, them staying together makes them the odd man out. But because he wants, like you said, he does things off of, on camera. He's one way. It's always the, these girls, these stunt queens, but show, stunts and shows. Every time they're on camera, they present one way off camera is something different. She was like, well, he's, and I love the fact she spoke to it. She's like, when we're off camera, he's completely different. When we get on camera, he's like, oh, hey, I'm intense. She was like, stop being inconsistent. Yeah. So I think he just does not want to look like the bad guy. With his backwards cap on his head in every scene. So it's safe to say that this couple's not going to make it. <laughs> Which is unfortunate. Yeah, and and even the newer couple, Michael and Chloe, they're eight days into their marriage. They have now they've had a world when they got married, honeymoon, went to couples retreat. Now they moved in together. So you would all within for, one week, within one eight days. <laughs> They get to the apartment. She's like, I need time by myself. Basically. She's like, she tries to put on her, on the pets that she has at home and she's wanted to see them. And But the reality is she's like, well, I'm an introvert, so I need space. No, you want time. To, but it's too soon for you to have time by yourself when you are in a expedited process of getting to know your mate. Like, what is that? What are you trying to say and, and relate to him? Because he's like, all right, he's cool with it. He understands me. He's like, at the same time, damn, like, yeah. I miss my wife. Like, yeah. that connection, that, 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 those, those moments are not going to be there. But he did say she came back and she was in a different energy in the space. So maybe it works. But we tend to know when people take space like that early on. It's not going to be success. A success with their relationship because you don't have that option once you're once you're once reality sets in. You don't have the option of saying, you know what, I just need to not be around you for a few days. I mean, if you guys live separately, then sure. But typically, when you're married, which is what this process is, married at first sight, yes, you don't have that what some would deem a luxury it is i think that it's just and she said several times that you can never really prepare for this process which i'm sure you can having to still work <laughs> a full-time right. job still film and also get to know a complete stranger intimately i'm sure there's no way anyone can mentally prepare themselves for that but you know, that's why many people don't apply for the show. Because you watch the show, so you know what it's about. Yes. Like, you at least, you know what's up. And you signed up for this. So you have to, at some level, understand that it's going to in a pressure cooker. Yes, you had 16, what, 15 seasons of reference material. I can understand if this is season one and be like, yeah. Yeah, some new shit. Like, okay. But this, you you know what you're getting into. Exactly. And your season is the worst season. Um, because compared to, if you think about less the past five seasons, like, they have been some really good people. Like, some really good stories. Um, and San Diego, that was a great storyline from all those people. So, it's just, Denver is a flop. 
Uh, unfortunately, we thought it was going to be a little more, but it's not turning out that way. And we have about, again, maybe five more episodes before we get to decision day. I hope it's less than that, but we'll see. Do you have any other predictions about the couples? No, none of them are staying together. (laughs) I really hope, I do hope that Michael and Chloe work out because I just want him more so to have a W. Because he seems like he's genuinely into this and into her and not losing himself in the process. So I just think he deserves happiness <laughs> so i hope that they stay together but uh time will tell it will let's move on let's go to this is the beginning mr rupaul's drag race all right so this week on rupaul's drag race we had the rusical the sound of ruzik which is music but just with an r because it's rupaul yes so this week the queens had to reenact a musical based on the sound of music with julie andrews and they had to divvy up roles for this part and after much debate and back and forth plasma gets the lead role because miss girl listen this was plasma role to fucking have you are a broadway queen you talk about you do broadway in your shows if you did not take the fucking lead role, Rue would have read you from Mr. Filth. Michelle would have read you from Filth. Like, the entire judging panel would be like, why weren't you the fucking lead? Yeah. So, and it absolutely paid off. But before we get to that, during their rehearsal, we get a completely random uh, special guest from Melissa McCarthy. Or as I like to say, the white Monique. Ah, she comes baby, out. Yes. And uh, pretends to be the assistant of the uh, Adam Shankman, uh, the guest judge that's that's, uh, choreographing the number. And she says some really sweet words to the queens and gets emotional. She does, because apparently she started out her career as a drag queen. Which, as a gay man, I've always taken some issue with real fish doing drag. Yeah, we actually were, we saw and were a part of a drag show that had a cis woman in drag, and I just don't get it. Like, it's like, you, you, so you want to perform? Like, it's just, yeah, like, that's just it. Performing that's it. That's just it. Being they just being entertaining, right, without having to, at a lower level, and not yeah, having to have the caliber of to be an actual entertainer, right? Yeah, it, it, like you said, it sphere. is at a lower level because there's no illusion there, right? No. What makes Drax so amazing is the talent of literally changing your physical appearance to look right. like a person of the opposite sex, and that isn't there. But anyway, um, uh, once that is over, the actual rusical takes place. Plasma, like you said, kills it, and the girls have to go on the runway, and the category for the runway is, I could buy myself flowers. I just want to get Plasma her moment, give the bitch her flowers, because that bitch killed the entire scene. I think this is the best musical ever. She had my attention from the beginning to the end, even though the group, they were on point with their stunts and the show and it was one of the best in my opinion musicals ever of all seasons i think it was a really successful musical because it parodied an actual musical so it wasn't like the material the source material wasn't 
you know, it, it far too far fetched from what they were doing. But yeah, I agree. It was a really, really good one. And like you said, Plasma fucking devoured it. She also looked very good on the runway. Yes, no crumbs left. Bringing you Hello Dolly Drag, which is one of my favorite musicals of all time. Yes. And uh, her and Safira Cristal were in the top two because they both were arguably not arguably the best the best the best in the rusical and the best on the runway of the week yeah in my personal opinion so plasma was crowned winner of the week which i was relieved because you know typically the person that does the most work doesn't always get the The credit the win yes and plasma did the most work but was also good at the same time but they were really leaning towards uh, Safira. Well, they get, I, I think what they did was they gave a lot of compliments. So I think by the way the edit what happened, it was like, oh, okay, well, Safira might take this. But it's like, no, you got to give this shit to Plasma all day. But even Q did a good job with her rendition of, of what she was doing of one of the mean girls. Yes, she, uh, she did good. Uh, so that was the top three. Now... As far as the bottoms go, we had our bottom two be Megami and Maya Iman LePage. Yes. They lip sync to, of course, Flowers by Miley Cyrus. And now, hot take, I think Megami won that lip sync. Now, in actuality, Maya Iman LePage uh, won the lip sync and Megami was sent home. But in my humble opinion mm-hmm. i think maya iman lepage did way too much for the song she broke out into like a church praise worship dance and miley wasn't doing all that well she did the cardinal rule number one you're not supposed to do ever in drag on rupaul's drag race is get out of your heels now season one and two the girls tried that as stunts but as you have been educated in queer history that is a big drag no no and if you ever do it then you need to do it to either a gospel song, Patti LaBelle, like one of the greats that it invokes that emotion for you to kick off your heels, yeah. to take off your wig, like to do all the things. Like you are stripping your soul and you're you're exposing your actual soul for the song. But Miss Mama started taking it. It's like, girl, what? To Miley Cyrus, like, what are you doing? So, yes, I agree with you that Marat, Marat Magami. Magami had a better take on the song but Miss Girl gave performance so that's how she ended up with and she started to flip no she wasn't flipping no she, she didn't was, flip she didn't it, flip but she to me it was just so sloppy she was on the floor she, she? it was just it was just so sloppy the kicking off the shoes the praise and worship dance the getting on the floor to me it was all over the place but I truly believe that the producers and Rue were probably just tired of Megami's drag which I completely understand <laughs> it Megami has never resonated with me yeah. uh, in any of her looks or anything that she ever did on the show, including her talent uh, the first week. So I get it, but I just, I don't know. I just feel. I think it was the, the dive on the stage when that uh, Maya Page took at the, at the last high note for the song. She, you know, the fucking sea lion. Just, <laughs> no, it wasn't. Titty the sea world. It was, she did the sea world. It, it was orca. It was literally 
just on her stomach. It wasn't even like a titty. It wasn't titty. That she literally dove on her stomach and yeah, like a fucking platypus. Yeah. So, but that was RuPaul's Drag Race. Next week is going to be Snatch Game, baby. So we got to make sure that we devote some we real to, time. We have to break that down because Snatch Game. If you guys have not watched RuPaul Drag Race, we just go YouTube highlight Snatch Game. Snatch Game is where they impersonate different celebrities and they have to make... Ru- the point of Snatch Game is to make Ru fucking laugh. That's the point. The more you make Ru laugh, the better your chances are of being at the top. And so, a lot of the girls think they have their characters in order and they can't volley with Ru, but we'll see what happens next week. We will see what happens next week. So, that is Drag Race. Next, we're going to close out the reality roundup with the reality show that is on everyone's lips. Yes. This week and the week before, we touched on it last week, and now we're about to finally get into it, which is Love is Blind. And it will take over your mind. So, what you think is love. Yes. Elevate and find. So we've got like eight episodes to talk about. So let's get <laughs> let's get into it. We'll just, yeah, let's go for it. All right. So we have our couples now officially. We're not going to dissect the pods. No. Because again, that's just too fucking. We we're not trying to be like who the fuck did I marry? And, and for those of you guys who don't know the pods, so the pods is where they date. So just no, no, I'm just, <laughs> no. I'm just giving a backstory of what the pods. You make, love a backstory, but, but we have to. We have people who don't watch the show, so they might not know what the hell we're talking about. So love is blind. The, the objective of the show is you have men and women, heterosexuals. They live with each other, girls by themselves, guys by themselves, for about ten days, and they have. They're dating for 24 hours or however many hours that the show tells them to date. But they go to different pods and they talk to people behind the wall. So the objective is to find someone that you connect with that you can fall in love with within 10 days. The man is going to propose to the lady. And then after they accept the proposal, they meet and then they go off from there. So that's the objective. So when we say pods, they are dating inside the pods. And they date multiple people. So you may have one person who falls in love with two people. But, you know, that's the complexity of the show. There we go. So, the couples, after the pods, the men propose to the women that they want to propose to, and the couples are selected. Not everyone gets proposed to, and they usually somehow always magically end up with five or six couples. This season, there's five. We have, first up, and we're going to give our opinions, A.D. and Clay. The only black couple this season. AD. It's a cheerleader. Or was a cheerleader. Beautiful young girl. Clay. He is an entrepreneur. And he also played uh, NCAA basketball. Three time champion. And he also ran track. He's a nice looking young guy. Young man. He's about 6'1", 6'2". And AD is body, yada, yada, yada. She's chocolate girl. Only thing I only thing I'll say about AD negative. I need the eyelashes to go. I just need them. I need them spider webs to get off her face. But besides that, she's a beautiful chocolate girl. She has body out of me. She has ass for days, and she also has some big nanas. Not, not to minimize her, but just give you the objectives that she has a very beautiful shape. She's a beautiful girl. We also have Laura and Jeremy. Caucasian people. Laura is young blonde woman who so far is coming off as very manipulative <laughs> and uh 
conniving. Yes. Jeremy is a cheater. <laughs> so. <laughs> I want to say Jeremy's a cheater. You wouldn't? Though, but no. the latest episode that's pretty much is a cheating episode he just meets up with the girl that he the the his other op that he didn't pick and lied about where he was because he shared his location and forgot that so with i no non-iphone users you have the option to share your location but you also have the option to share your location for a limited amount of time or share your location indefinitely and i think that he may have thought he only shared his location for 30 minutes when in all actuality he kept that bitch on because she was able to see where he said that he was initially at the um, parking lot parking lot of some tavern tavern bar which he was at one point okay but then he went to a neighborhood to where she googled went on the googler smoogler <laughs> and found out it was the neighborhood of the girl, the girl who, who he didn't pick he didn't pick in the pod Yes. So, who I believe is a, a patriot, a trumper, in my opinion. Okay, just saying. <laughs> okay. If you watch the show, you, you heard her talk about that. But yes, so yes. But he, so what we're not telling you is Rebecca, not Rebecca. Laura confronts him in the morning, like so. You said you were going to Lost and Found. You went there. You don't show. You don't get back home till five in the morning. So what the fuck are we doing? Lost and Found closes at two. What were you doing? And he said, I don't want to talk about that. And she said, I'm done. <laughs> so, okay, yeah, sure. Let's say he didn't cheat. Um, <laughs> we don't know if he cheated or not. We had a conversation with the broad. We have next Chelsea and Jimmy, which is the hot button couple of the season. Because Chelsea, liar, during the pods, said liar. that many people. Many. No. Good. Says that she resembles Megan Fox. Now, Chelsea is a flight attendant. She may be a flight attendant for Spirit Airlines. We have no idea where airlines she flies for. But she says that that's what they tell her. And so, of course, a man hearing this behind a wall is like, oh shit, I got me a Megan Fox. She don't look like Megan Fox, y'all. She does. She's like Mc, Mc, McKnight? McMaster? No, uh, Mac tonight. Mac tonight. That's what she looked like. She looked like Mac tonight. If you don't know who Mac tonight is, Google Mac tonight. It's a McDonald's reference. So, but the thing is, Jimmy is not cute at all either. He looks like at all. one of the characters from Bob's Burgers. He is not cute. <laughs> so they actually but he got a big dick apparently. So you know, hey, that always can ride over. You know what I'm saying? So they actually, in my opinion, equal each other out. But their storyline this season is essentially Brittany is the most insecure, or not Brittany, Chelsea is the most insecure person in the entire world. She gaslights the the shit. So what we what we're not telling you is a backstory with, with Chelsea. Chelsea dated Jimmy and another guy that was like a big bulky guy. Both of them proposed to her, but she only accepted one from Jimmy. Both of them told them told her, "I love you." Jimmy was dating another chick by the name of Brittany. I think her name is Brittany. Well, he couldn't tell Brittany because Brittany had a daughter by the name of, we should know her name because she always says her fucking name all the time. He wasn't ready to be a stepdad. So, <coughs> he 
wasn't feeling so he the same so once he told Britney like I you know I need a little time basically he, that same day he tells Chelsea I love you to which Chelsea comes back like after having two guys tell her she loved her the same fucking day comes back ecstatic to the fucking girls quarters and she tells Laura like he told me he loved me who Jimmy so Laura goes like oh, okay cool Chelsea walks off. Laura goes around tell Brittany, "That's not your." She tells Brittany, "Like that's not your. That's not your husband." And she she didn't tell her why, but that's how we said Laura's messy. So she did that whole, which is girl cold, but you know she she's a girl's girl. It seems like, but it was low key kind of messy. So their storyline this season between Chelsea and Jimmy is basically Chelsea being insecure about every single thing that Jimmy does or doesn't do, which includes. Not kissing her for an entire day. Not telling her he loves her. And telling her he loves her. Because he may say it in a tone she doesn't like. The entire situation of her knowing that the other chick is more attractive than she is. Yes. And being afraid once Jimmy Because he saw sees, a picture of her. Yes. Once Jimmy sees her. And then it gets even worse when she finds out that Jimmy seeks her out and finds her on social media and now knows what she looks like it is very entertaining and she starts an entire fight and she basically says you weren't acting this way until you saw a picture of Britney and again this girl name could not be Britney but we're going to roll with it and he's like I didn't bring Britney up you brought her up like that has this has nothing to do with with that and you just see if you guys haven't seen it, so if you guys have, if you haven't watched it, sorry, spoiler alert, but if you have watched it, you see where you're like, am I tripping? Like, this girl is literally being a Karen right now. She was being a Karen. Yeah. Like, she literally started a fight with this man out of nothing. And because her insecurity and the way, because he didn't say, he didn't say, hey, how are you? He was like, hey, what's up? She's like, but I need, I need, hey, how are you? Like, you, you could have said it this way. He said it the way he wanted to say it, but you're so fucking insecure, Mac McKnight, tonight, that this man, you, you, you can't see a good man when you have one. So, that's but that situation. With, but with that being said, Jimmy's not a good man, but he's her man. <laughs> um, moving on, yes. we have Brittany and Kenneth. Now, this is a couple that started out hot and heavy in the pods and kind of started to fizzle out during the retreat we won't say honeymoon because they didn't get married they don't get married coming out of the pods but once the couples are selected they go on a trip uh, all together to a resort and during the trip kenneth started not checking out, but being more reserved and not putting his best foot forward the way that he did during the pods. And the storyline between the two of them sort of gives the illusion that it's because Brittany is white and he wanted more of a black love situation because Kenneth constantly looks at AD and Clay almost lustfully and talks about how he loves their black love and you know, they turning him on and all that shit. But <laughs> Brittany, spoiler alert, 
Brittany and Kenneth are the first couple to actually end almost immediately as they move in with one another because he, once they get back home, all the couples are allowed to use their phones again. And he stopped engaging with her almost altogether. He checked the fuck out. And he reminds me of a, a black church queen. Like, I've seen many of them in my day. I believe he is of the homosexual persuasion that he just wants a beard. And the way, because he talks to her, he talks to her as if like he's her, her gay best friend. And she, um, this is Brittany, right? Yes. Brittany has dated black men before. So she doesn't have a problem dating black men. She's very well-versed in the situation. She knows what it's about. And when she's like, I know we both were godly people and we both had set this boundary of we're gonna we wanna wait and save ourselves, but she said even with that, there's still a desire that's there. Like you still wanna like get hot to have she said, we haven't even made out yet. Like we'll kiss here and there, but we don't we haven't had a make out session. Like you can still be horny for someone and show them that you're interested and still hold off. And that's the part of the hotness of you wanna save yourself. You guys go to that point, but don't go all the way there. They're not doing shit. So she's like, mm-mm. This ain't right. It's like some of this milk ain't clean. She know what it is. She know the tea. Yeah, because I feel with him, it's all artifice. Like, he wants to perpetuate a certain lifestyle and put out a certain look. Right. A certain, I guess you could say, believable look. He wants a beard. Yes. That's, yes. And once he saw what AD and Clay had, he was like, I want more so of that. Not necessarily the love, but he just wants that aesthetics of... He wants his own black Barbie doll who he can dress and do her hair. And, right. you know, he wants a really good, good Judy. Yeah. And he has a preference on what he wants that Judy to look like. And, you know, not... Because Britney's gorgeous. I think she's a gorgeous she's a girl. very pretty girl. She's just... Again, she's just white. And I think that he... For whatever hangups that he may have, maybe family, maybe mother, you know, he wants to bring home uh, a black Barbie doll. But I don't even think it's that. I think when because I, I rewatched it today, they're part of when they broke up, and she was her main thing was like, "You don't really want me." Like she said it without saying it to that point, but she's like, "You don't desire me." Like that's just. But he tried to he tried to flip. It was like no, he if, gaslit the fuck out of her. Yeah, he, he he tried to flip like, well, if you don't, if he said, "Cause I'm in free." You know, you're it for me, but if I'm there for you, like, then we have to let this be. It's not going to work. But she's like, no, nigga, like, you, if you're a straight man and we're saying we're going to, you know, wait till we marry, okay, but you should still be wanting to fuck me. You should still be wanting to grab my ass and make out with me. You ain't doing that shit. But he put it all on the fact that he came home one night at 1 a.m. and woke her up, even though she had to be up for work at, at 5 a.m. Right. And she didn't respond well to it. So he flipped it on her. I was like, okay, well, if, you know, you can't accept me at my 1 a.m., you don't deserve me at my 6 a.m. You know, like just stupid shit. And she started crying and because she saw the writing on the wall. And I really felt like she just didn't want to deal with that back and forth. So she just paid it and was like, you know what? You're right. We need to. This is it. But yeah. I saw how he was gaslighting the fuck out of yeah, her. It was very apparent. It was like, okay, you're trying to spin this girl. Like, yeah, he okay. just doesn't want to look like you don't the want to like, bad you don't want to let the bad guy. guy. Um, and lastly, 
we have Amy and Johnny. Now, this couple I completely forget about. I even, I even forget about them while they're on screen. <laughs> I'm like, I don't remember them from the pods. Um, no. Amy is a very pretty Latina. And Johnny is a like surfer dude, blonde hair, blue eyes. Now, their storyline is going to be a little bit different because Johnny wants Amy to go on birth control. And Amy's like, I kind of like my body having periods. She's like, I kind of like my body doing what it's supposed to do. And birth control can alter everything. And it's very aggressive. She's like, how about you just get a vasectomy? To which he is not on board for that. Another plot point that they're going to have. She's very close with her family. And if her father doesn't approve, she doesn't know if they're going to be able, if she doesn't know, she's going to be able to go through with the prod, uh, the, the process, which to that, I say, why the fuck sign up? But after being hit with the one, two punch of all eight episodes of love is blind. Plus this current season of married at first sight, I am almost certain that, this is all about casting agents and casting calls. I don't think that truly, I don't think that any of these people are actively seek watching these shows, actively applying for these shows, filling out questionnaires or even passing psych evaluations because the way that they're acting, it just doesn't seem like someone who one knows what the show is about and have watched past seasons and two actually willing to put in the work to find love it's it's giving i just want to be on camera and it's also the fact of it's for me it's it's the it's the season of i need validation i need i just met you but i need you to validate me validate me tell me you love me validate me and it's like that's is this is a lot like let it yes you in a uh pressure cookies pressure cooker situation but let it progress naturally like again you you fell in love sight unseen with this person which i think that can happen 10 days again you're, you're going with the intent of wanting to fall in love so i can believe that it's possible to fall to fall in love within 10 days with of someone but the the consistent need for that validation for some especially fucking chelsea has is Ugh, she's she irritated she irritated the hell out of me last night. I said I cannot do that. Um, I just think that 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 needs to be addressed. Like they need to have a component of therapy also with the show, and not just Nick Lachey and his wife. Like they need to have an <coughs> expert to talk about navigating your feelings yeah. and processing these relationships, and not just allowing them to just let nature take its or see what happens. Like they need an expert on this show as well. Um, I will say we need to we didn't talk about Jared and Jeremy. Not nope. Jeremy, Jimmy. <laughs> I was thinking Jimmy, Jeremy came out. Um, how he <laughs> so Jimmy sees A D as they're in as all the couples get together and he sees A D and her body yada yada. He tells his wife, like, oh, she's stacked, which is Chelsea, the insecure bro, who we didn't know was insecure at this point until after this scene happened. And she jokingly tells AD, oh, you know, he said, you stacked. She's like, oh, okay, haha, cute, whatever. He then walks over. Now, you can, the, the camera makes it appear that he's like lusting for her, but they have an innocent conversation. Innocent and flirty in a way. But Chelsea is literally right behind them. And her face, her whole body demeanor completely changes. And 
it's just very interesting to, to see. And if you guys have, if you guys haven't watched the episode, I, I implore you to watch that scene and just tell us your thoughts about that. But I want to see what's going to happen later on between Jimmy and AD. I feel like there's something there. I, the, Jimmy already has his hands completely full with Brittany. I don't think, I don't think, especially because what you're mentioning is before he knew what Brittany looked like. Yeah. And I think now that he knows what Brittany looks like and he's about to start interacting with her next week, we have to figure out her real name because I don't think it's Brittany. But once they actually start interacting, I think that's going to be its own whole storyline and AD will be out of his mind because AD has her own hands full. We didn't discuss how her and Clay's storyline is pretty much going to be Clay cheating on her. Because he's every well, every conversation has been. I don't want to cheat. I'm afraid I'm a cheat. My dad's cheated his whole life. I went on cheating trips with my dad. I just don't want to do like Doth protests too much. <laughs> like I feel like he's just preparing her. So when it happens, he can say, well, I've been, I told you, I, I told you I've been dealing with this since day one, baby, baby, baby. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like. I, AD run girl you in danger girl you are in danger girl we are gonna see what happened when all these people and the lady that we've been calling Brittany her name is actually Jessica so we're sorry Jessica but the love triangle is between Chelsea Jimmy and Jessica Jimmy so. and Jessica even sounds so much better <laughs> JJ sorry Jels <laughs> So yeah, but um, that is going to wrap up this episode, you guys, of Oh, That's My Gay Friend. I want to thank you guys for tuning in with us. We thank you each and every week. Um, we have given you two hours of our time. You have given us two hours of your time to listen to this crazy podcast. We really appreciate it. You have 22 hours left with yourself, so be kind to yourself. Do some self-care. Go get your favorite snack. Have a cocktail. Hell, uh, call an ex. Just say... Um, I'm doing better than you in life. And they hang the phone up. Or send a text message. Either way, have fun. And until next time, bye, bye friends. friends. Today's episode of Oh, That's My Gay Friend is brought to you by the letter A. Hey, listen. Did y'all really think we were going to teach you guys something? <laughs> this podcast is just to have a kiki with my husband. Tune in next Friday for an all-new episode of Oh, That's My Gay Friend. Follow us on Instagram at oh that's my gay friend or email us your questions at oh that's my gay friend at gmail.com. Until then, see you next time, friends. <laughs>